and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by William Wayland. So William is a strength and conditioning coach and the co-owner of Powering Through Gym just outside Chelmsford in the UK and he's also a consultant to the PGA European Tour which makes him the perfect person to come on today and discuss how you can use strength and conditioning to improve your golfing performance. So William Wayland, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for coming, mate. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Sure, sure thing. Uh, so I'm based down in Chelmsford in Essex. I have a gym there powering through uh, performance and we've been operating for four years as a small uh, private strength and conditioning facility. Uh, working with athletes ranging from UFC fighters to golfers to motorsport athletes, but also a uh, general population as well. Um, I'm also a strength and conditioning consultant for the uh, European Tour Performance Institute, mainly working on the Challenge Tour and uh, Main Tour, and it has me travelling usually all over Europe, um, you know, uh, offering S&C support uh, for the players on a sort of first-come, first-served basis. And we work with guys who are, you know, just getting their foot, you know, their, their foot into the tour and then other guys who are very well established. So the level of golfers we work with sort of varies an awful lot and their uh, age range and things varies an awful lot. So we get a, a wide spectrum of, of, of golfers that we work with. Absolutely fantastic. It must be super interesting getting to, to see loads of different places, but obviously work with loads of different athletes as well. Um, and when we're, when we're discussing golf then, um, in the last few years and maybe, uh, with a slightly older head, uh, very recently, but probably, uh, the last five to 10 years, uh, golf has, has changed quite a lot in terms of strength and conditioning, right? Can you, can you tell us why you think there's been such a boom in strength and conditioning in the golf world? So the biggest reason is this is, is prize money. So if we work backwards from that, well, it looks like this. If I want to win more prize money, we know that there's a relationship between distance and prize money. We know that there's a relationship between uh, distance and club head speed. And then we know there's a relationship between club head speed and physicality. So when you follow that path down to, uh, you know, its, its base, which is being more physical, being more physical in turn means I can potentially win more prize money. Now, obviously, golf's a very technical sport, but if there's a gap that you can fill, that you can exploit to get a, a, an advantage over your opposition, you're going to take it. So more and more golfers now are using physicality as a means for increasing distance. And by increasing distance, it means you need uh, you know less fewer shots on the approach. Your chance of winning more prize money goes up. And it's that relationship is part of the reason why we're seeing you know the introduction of, of more what I would call orthodox strength and conditioning. Golf fitness has been around for a long time. But it's perhaps missed the mark when it comes to, you know, strength and conditioning orthodoxy and what other sports would consider sort of meat and potatoes strength and conditioning. Golf has always kind of missed out on that, you know, for a few reasons. But now we've got more golfers doing more, you know, what I would consider, you know, basic strength and conditioning with an eye to improving force production. And that is what has changed. And that's why golfers are now getting stronger, hitting it further. And there's a few notable golfers that take their strength and conditioning far more seriously now they're performing better as a result and because golf is very peer-led other players are catching on and then trying to do the same thing and it's becoming a little bit of an arms race <laughs> so in, in terms of the arm race then arms race uh, who's winning so Apart from strength it, and conditioning it, coaches 
apart from apart from strength and conditioning coaches being the guys who, who are doing very well out of this as a result. But um, so notable example is uh, Bryson DeChambeau, who is well, well known for gaining a lot of weight, a lot of mass, and also getting a lot physically stronger. And this drew a lot of attention. He won the US Open last year, um, and you know he's performed very well. And there are a few other guys now with pretty pretty blistering swing speeds and distances who are getting a lot of attention. And, you know, Brooks Koepka is another one who takes care of himself physically. Uh, Rory McIlroy takes care of himself physically as well. More of these guys who've got a lot of presence, um, you know, are, are now known for, for, for taking their workouts and their training very seriously. And, you know, the slow acceptance of this stuff is what is is, uh, is what's changing golf. You know, and a few of the athletes I work with as well are now becoming well known for having very high class up hit speeds, um, obviously, which, which then gives them an advantage. It gives them optionality uh, because when you are strong, when you're more physical it gives you more choice on the on the on the uh, golf course absolutely fantastic so when we're, we're looking at those professionals obviously we can see that there's uh, this huge prize money to be won but for the for the everyday golfer you've got bragging rights and of course you want to beat your friends so what do you think that the everyday golfers can get out of strength and conditioning so the everyday golfer for the most part the average age went up from 48 to 62 over the past decade so the average golfer, recreational golfer, has got older. Well, what's the one thing that happens as we get older? Uh, you know, age-related muscle wasting, sarcopenia. So we know, and there's a great evidence base for this, that the best way to offset that is to get stronger, to lift weights. And, and use resistance training as a means of, of, of staying younger, both metabolically, physically, and uh, by taking better care of ourselves, our golf can also be better. And because we do, you know, have a seniors tool, we get the opportunity to work with older golfers as well. And we see the difference it makes with them. Yes, they're professional, but it does compete, keep them more competitive for longer. The other issue in golf is this, is that because the average golfer is that much older, when they take up golf, they often jump into it with quite a lot of uh, enthusiasm, particularly if you're a retiree. You don't have an awful lot else to do. <laughs> and um, this enthusiasm is quite often met with a repetitive strain injury as a result. So 80% of golf injuries are repetitive strain injuries and we know that there can be a significant reduction in repetitive strain injuries if we do resistance training uh, i think nearly 50 percent so it makes sense that if you're going to take up golf you should also take up uh resistance training as well so that's my suggestion because otherwise you're going to end up on a physio table now, physios are more expensive than s&c coaches right exactly <laughs> excellent so um when it comes to uh, s&c at golf in the top level um, obviously, you've mentioned that there are some some really great benefits to that, but are there any drawbacks then? So I think the drawbacks that we see, that I see, is probably from a lack of understanding uh, on the part of golf coaches and the part of the golfers themselves sometimes, because obviously now they're accepting of all this, their understanding of its application is perhaps limited. So you either get a situation where um, they don't do enough or, as is the trend, they try and do too much, something goes wrong and they feel it doesn't work for them because they don't know how to moderate their approaches. They're not sure of what's the, the right amount of, of, of strength and conditioning to do for golf because the, the research and, and understanding of which is, is pretty limited. Um, so that's probably one of the major drawbacks. A lot of the people, the drawbacks that, that people conventionally get hung up on are things like, is it going to affect my technique? Is it going to affect my mobility? What we we're seeing is that the, the the research that's being conducted and what we're learning as practitioners is that doesn't seem to be the case at all. If anything, these things quite often get better 
when people so integrate strength and conditioning on top of their regular golf practice as well. So in terms of, of, of drawback, unless, you know, you perhaps, you know, pick up the wrong program or take the wrong approach. For instance, I had a guy uh, who, who now has been working with me for, for a good while who um, keen on getting involved in strength and conditioning. I think he pretty much just Googled an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, five-day body part split. <laughs> I was talking to him in a players lounge and I was like, what program are you doing? So he pulls out some paper out of his bag and he's pretty much printed this thing off from a web page. And you know, this is what I do. And he's doing like eight sets of 10 low body, like on squats and other things. And I'm like, how are you getting through playing? And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sore, but I'm okay with it. As I, well, I appreciate that you seem to enjoy all the volume that's here, but maybe we could do better. And uh, since the two years we've been working together, I've scratched that itch for, for like a lot of sort of volume-based training. But at the same time, he's now training in a much smarter fashion, is a lot less sore, you know, and the program works for him a lot better than just doing something he found online. And this guy's a, you know, a professional on the European tour. So, you know, and, and as a result, his objective golf measures got better but obviously this is the danger when someone just just looks something up you know and uh it's obviously having someone informed around can be very very useful for just steering things in the right direction yeah i can imagine um with all the good intentions in the world uh yeah just picking stuff off the internet isn't the best decision and then going to someone who yeah exactly so um, the thing is the road road to that was paid with good intentions, right? <laughs> and in these people, of course, like the like your, your professional golfer doesn't want to perform worse, right? Like he's not he's not actively trying to perform badly. He's, he's no. doing doing the best, but yeah, seeking someone out who can really help can obviously make uh, make a huge difference. Then um, exactly. And when when you're training, because I want to get into kind of the, the nuts and bolts, right? So when you're training mm-hmm. uh, golfers. Uh, what are the key movement patterns that you're hitting? Then I I can imagine at least there's a lot of rotation in there, but is there, is there a lot of other uh, things? in there which maybe uh, aren't quite so obvious? Well, actually, this is where, where, where you're wrong. We don't actually do too much rotation stuff because these guys are rotating at volumes that, that quite often you wouldn't believe. So the, the question becomes, well, is adding more rotation to that uh, perhaps the wisest thing to do? Obviously, in some instances, yes, it'll be useful, but adding more quite often is where golf has gone wrong before. Well, the, the idea is that, well, with these rotational athletes, our SNC should also be highly rotational. And then what you're adding is more rotation volume on top of rotation volume. Whereas the one thing you're missing out that we've discovered pretty re- recently that is really vital, and this is from research we've done on Challenge Tour players um, and, and the work my colleagues on the ETB have done, ETBI have done, is that vertical force reduction is probably one of the biggest predictors of club head speed for golfers that there is. So pretty much things like jumping, squatting, any sort of high high force, vertical force exercise, trap bar deads, Romanian deadlifts, squats of all types are probably going to give you the best transfer in terms of improving club head speed uh, you're going to see. And part of the reason for this is obviously when it comes to producing lots of power in the golf swing, that power comes from the ground. And the other thing that people perhaps don't don't see is that if you look at the golf swing from a from a start to finish time frame standpoint, it's actually a really slow movement. Now, in real terms, yes, the club is moving at like 120 miles an hour on contact with the ball. That's fast. But in terms of completing the movement from the start of the backswing all the way through to, to, to finishing the movement, anywhere from sort of 0.8 to 1.2 seconds to complete the whole movement, which... which in a sports context, it's actually really, really slow, right? 
So when you think about it that way, well, that gives me lots of time to grip the ground and put lots of force through the floor and then use that force through the floor to offset um, the, the, all, the, all the momentum and rotation that I need to be able to, to produce because you can't shoot a cannon uh, from a canoe, right? So if you've got a really good, strong base, you've then got tons of time to produce lots of rotational force. So this is why these high force, vertical force exercises are so useful for golf and why more guys are doing them now. And it's, you know, movements like I just said, trap bar dead, squat, RDL, all make up a big portion of what we do when it comes to programming our guys. Absolutely fantastic. So when you've, when you've then uh, assessed that as such, you know, roughly speaking, uh, what you need to do as, a, as an SSC practitioner. Um, how would you then periodize towards a tournament? Because I imagine that's super interesting, right? Like these guys aren't playing every week, but they do have a yep. few big tournaments a year. So how, do you, how does that look? So obviously it's, it's, you've got to communicate with the player as to when and what tournaments they're playing so you know their schedule, roughly speaking. Then what can cause problems is invites. So guys will get invited to events suddenly, or they'll be waiting on invites as well because golf works like that. Players will suddenly, someone will drop out as an opportunity to play or a sponsor or a um, management company will sort you in invite. So an event you thought you weren't playing, you suddenly might be playing. Um, illness, travel, all this stuff plays a big role, which is why um, for a lot of golf, a lot of golf, a lot of golf fitness historically, I don't want to say like it's, it's kind of winging it, but it has been kind of ad hoc and it's sort of adapting to the situation at hand. So what I found works very, very well is um, Maladin Jovanovic's Agile Periodization System. So by using a system wherein you regularly sort of micro-test the athletes and then thinking about what, what they've got coming up, you try and work around that as best as possible, honoring uh, different physical qualities as best per you can. So, for instance, if you're in a situation where you're going to be at home for a couple of weeks, you're going to hammer lots of high force work. If you're traveling and you don't know what type of gym you've got at the venue, are you going to be in a hotel room? Are you going to be in a rubbish hotel gym? You then have to adapt accordingly. So you're always trying to tickle various training residuals, keeping the athlete in a place where, you know, that that high force quality, which is now been shown to be very important is maintained at a decent standard and then when you do get those opportunities of time off and and a european tour professional playing maybe you know uh, most of the events of the year and maybe only going to get one or two months off unless they elect to take some time off during the year where they might take a few weeks out so you have to adapt to that situation um the thing is if you're working with a european tour professional trying to bring that introduce that type of system is tricky and it takes time for them to get used to the fact that training Training is going to be varying. It's not going to be consistent all the time, particularly if they're a stickler for routine. Educating them that it's okay to vary workouts, that it's okay to adapt to the situations you find yourself in rather than just throw your hands up and not bother at all. Um, so it's important that you educate them on that as well. Whereas the beauty of working with the, a lot of the juniors I work with and a lot of guys on Challenge Store I work with, uh, because they're younger, they're men- mentally more flexible, so they're more willing to adapt and, and shift to the situation they find themselves in. I can imagine that makes a huge difference long term to them as well, right? So when you yeah. can when you can get them early and not not necessarily even hammer it into them, but just just yeah, work with them for a number of years to say, look, 
when this happens, this is okay. You don't have to lose your shit. Like you can just go on like normal um, and we can make small adjustments. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's a really big win probably for the next 40, 50, 60 years for them compared to maybe when you work with a, a 40, 50, 60 year old now who, yeah, they've been there and done it, right? Like they're already winning yeah. uh, 20 years ago without strength and conditioning. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more difficult sell. Absolutely. And, and golf is a, a, a sticklers for routine and sticklers for, I guess it's the type A personality type individual sport athlete. So they like things to be a certain way and they're very reluctant to embrace change, uh, partly because of the nature of the sport. Golf's very traditional. So, so change has always come slow. And, and yeah, it's part of the game of, of, of working with these guys is convincing them, you know, that, to be flexible, to be adaptable, to learn to improvise and then overcome whatever challenges they might face. I think that's uh, excellent advice. So before we wrap up, I want to ask you the, the most difficult question that we could think of. And that is, what is the one thing that you see or do differently, which the rest of the world can learn from? So I saw this question and I was like, this is a tough one to answer. See, do you know what I did? I got my colleagues at work to, to help <laughs> me answer it. So excellent. I asked one of my long my long term mentees, um, who's, who's a terrific fit golfer as well and is now becoming an snc coach and i asked one of our physios on staff as well they both gave me the same answer and uh, they said it's it's simplicity and when i think about it it's like like yeah i guess uh, you know the, the, the whole concept of, of via negativa being you know uh, uh working with with the simplest solution you could possibly find to deal with a problem you know and and if something seems too complicated then try simplify and i guess uh, it's something I've always been pretty good at is taking complex um, situations and then trying to reduce them down, particularly in golf, you know, and in MMA, taking things and trying to reduce them down to the, the simplest working parts that we need. And then we can then from that yield complexity later on. So simplify. And then by virtue of keeping things simple, we can complexify as we go on. So if those guys are telling me that it's my ability to simplify stuff, then I'm going to take them at their word. <laughs> absolutely excellent and well answered as well so uh, massive thanks for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure talking and uh, yeah thank you very much it's been a pleasure thanks for having me on cheers buddy and that's it once again a massive thanks to William for all of his hard work in today's podcast I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too before you leave I want to point you in the direction of the Coach Academy and the Coach Academy is a series of mini lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks so, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to get yourself into the Coach Academy, and you can do that completely for free using the link in the show notes. So, if you're interested, click that link in just a few seconds' time, and you can get seven days completely for free to the Coach Academy. And if you have enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to also hit the subscribe button. That's really important because it means that you won't miss next week's fantastic episode. And of course, if you have enjoyed the episode, be sure also to give us a quick review we really appreciate all of the reviews that you give us and that helps us to spread the great word of the podcast. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport and I'll speak to you next week.